It's Wednesday, January 12th, 2022. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, it's wild card week. We're getting ready for the Eagles to take a trip to play the defending Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who'd have thought that? The Sixers have quietly put together a seven-game winning streak. The Flyers in the NHL are in a COVID mess, and they're they're going to have trouble recovering from this. The NFL regular season and the college football championship certainly didn't disappoint another big week in sports. Yeah, you got that right, partner. Uh, Saturday's Eagles-Cowboys finale was something of a dud. Didn't matter, though. We didn't really care. But many of Sunday's games, including the Raiders-Chargers overtime thriller Sunday night, were great down-to-the-wire affairs. A lot of fun watching football all day Sunday. And, hey, congrats to Kirby Smart and those Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, what a what a three-day weekend of uh, football between Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. It was uh... – it, it, for football lovers, there was nothing like it, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, you got that right. It was fun. All right. Well, hey, we're going to talk Eagles tonight. Eagles, Eagles, Eagles. Who'd have thought? Who'd have even thought this? Uh, we got our buddy from Bleeding Green Nation, Brandon Lee Gowton, going to join us. Yeah, that we do. Uh, we have BLG coming up in just a few seconds. Uh, later on, we look forward to you perhaps throwing some love Joel Embiid's way because he's been playing great lately. So I look for that from you. Some nice compliments for the big guy from <laughs> Hold you. Hold breath on that. Let's get it going. Let's get it going. <laughs> All right. Let's get started. Let's welcome BLG back to Philly Press Box Radio. Brandon, welcome back. Who would have thought we'd be talking <laughs> Eagles in mid-January? Uh, I don't think everyone, that's for sure. I don't think everyone <laughs> thought they'd be here at this point, especially after a two and five start. So, uh, Hey, you, you kind of like it though. It's a, it's a nice yeah. surprise. It's it exciting. That's for sure. Well, Brandon, uh, around late October, the Eagles finally started running the ball a lot more often. And, you know, since then they've been winning the big question for me, why did it take six or seven weeks for them to figure it out? Nick Sirianni and company to realize that they should be running the ball. <laughs> That's a great question because I think, you know, looking back uh, and even what we were saying at the time heading into this season is, you know, you should take advantage of the fact that you have a mobile quarterback and you have some uh, rushing talent here and Miles Sanders and company and you have an offensive line that can run blocks. So uh, it took a little bit of time for some reason. I think part of it was that, you know, this year wasn't just about um, for the for everyone involved, you know, Jeffrey Lurie said it's a transition year. He there was some learning to be done, and by that I mean I think the Eagles wanted to see if Jalen Hurts could kind of handle a you know a passing workload and really kind of carry the team with his arm, and he couldn't clearly in terms of being uh, you know like a guy who drops back you know, over thirty times a game regularly. So uh, I think it came to a point where they kind of needed to switch because the passing offense clearly just wasn't working in a high volume like that. And meanwhile, all the while, even though they weren't running the ball often, they were doing it efficiently when they did do it. So they're like, hey, why don't we do this more? And sure enough, it worked out. Yep. Yeah. I think so much went into the fact that uh, Lane Johnson came back uh, better than ever. Landon Dickerson found a home. He's been really good. Jordan Malata has been really good. We knew Jason Kelsey would be good. This offensive line really came together, but it took five or six weeks for that to happen. 
It did, uh, which is kind of funny. Uh, I think it came to a point where, you know, they're, they're two and five. And really, they had tried to run the ball, you know, early against the Raiders. The game kind of just got away from them a little bit. Um, so, you know, obviously the turnaround we all talk about starting in week eight when they beat the Lions. Um, but I think Nick Sirianni has even talked about having that extended time off after the first Buccaneers game, you know, which was played on a Thursday. He kind of had not only him, but the coaching staff as well, had more time to reflect. And I think they kind of just thought to themselves, you know, hey, Jeff Stallin's a really good coach. And, you know, obviously he's the run game coordinator in addition to the offensive line coach. And it's like, why don't we just lean on him? You know, we don't really have an identity right now offensively. And things are kind of just really, we're falling apart here. And Nick Sirianni is obviously a new head coach. So I think part of it too is like, why don't we lean on what we do know and a really good coach that we do have and see how it goes from there. Well, you mentioned the running game. Uh, Speaking of that, do you think Miles Sanders will play on Sunday? And if so, I mean, he's got a broken hand. He's had some fumbling issues occasionally. How effective do you think he will be? And is it even smart for him to play? Yeah, I mean, I think he can do it. Um, Nick Sirianni brought up uh, Marlon Mack a couple weeks ago when asked about, you know, what's the precedent or, or, you know, when can Miles Sanders possibly return? And Marlon Mack had that injury back in 2019 with the Colts and he missed two games. And that's the, you know, same amount of time that Miles Sanders just missed. So there is that kind of uh, template to, to miss that kind of time and be able to come back. It is kind of funny, like you mentioned there, though, Chet, because I think you look at Miles Sanders' weaknesses and obviously he can do a lot of things well and he's an explosive runner, but three of the biggest concerns would be pass protection, pass catching, and ball security. And obviously all those things involve your hand. So I, I would think that he is going to play. Um, but I think at the same time, I don't know, you know, that you're giving him the full RB1 workload that you normally would. I can't see him having, you know, like 20 carries, for example. I think it'd kind of be more of a, a heavier rotation between him, Jordan Howard, and then we'll see who else they mix in. Yep. Well, Brandon, we're getting ready to go to Tampa to play the defending Super Bowl champions. Uh, you know, I think everybody, common sense football says, run the ball, control the game, keep Brady off the field, um, and do what the Eagles do best. And that, that certainly is the common sense approach. But the thing that worries me a little bit is, for one, Tampa Bay is very good against the run. I believe they're ranked number three against the run, and I don't believe they've given up a 100-yard rusher all season. It's not going to be easy to take that approach. And I would think that they're going to take the approach of stop the run and make Jalen Hurts beat me. And that's what they should be doing, to be clear. you know, And that's honestly what they kind of did last time. And I think what's different about this matchup from the last time the Eagles played the Buccaneers is that the Eagles played a little bit too much into Todd Bowles' hands of like he wanted the Eagles to not even run the ball because that's his goal. It's kind of like what Jim Schwartz used to do in terms of prioritizing, hey, let's stop the run and then let's make the other team one-dimensional and we're going to have our pass rushers tee off on the quarterback at that point. Well, the Eagles kind of, again, didn't help themselves by not at least even trying to do it and making the Buccaneers kind of respect that threat. So I think that that is a difference that they will do this time. We obviously saw them have success against the number one defense, uh, the run defense, you know, the Saints, the Eagles put up a lot of points and, and yards and whatnot and rushing production against them. So I do think they'll make more of an effort this time. But as you said, I mean, the Bucks are obviously going to be, I think, selling out to try to stop that and limit the damage the Eagles can do in that regard. No, on the other side, Tom Brady is, of course, the GOAT. And it cracks me up when I hear people say that all oh, the Eagles are in his head and, you know, they can beat him. <laughs> and you, you look at it, he's actually beaten them six times. They only beat him twice, the Super Bowl and once during the Chip Kelly era. And even in the Super Bowl, he threw for 500 yards, so they didn't actually <laughs> stop him. So what do you do to try to limit Tom Brady's effectiveness? 
put your hands together and you, you pray. I think I think that's the best thing you can yeah. really do because uh, you know there's no there's really no secret answer. Uh, or there's you know it's, or it's executing really. That's it. You know you're not going to scheme up everything and totally confuse him. I mean maybe to the extent where you know you bring some simulated pressure and there's a certain play that confuses him and a look and you know there's a batted pass and it, it gets picked off. You know you you kind of need to really kind of just get lucky, I guess, and capitalize uh, on those opportunities that you do have. Like if you drop a pick in this game, then well that might be the game right there. Like you can't you can't let those opportunities go by. You have to be really sharp, really precise. Obviously, he's playing at an incredible level still, which is nuts to think that we are here and this is happening with him doing this. It just feels like it's going to go on forever. Uh, but yeah, there's there's no easy answer. I, you know, I think obviously getting a lot of interior pressure would be nice. Fletcher Cox stepping up in a big way. Javon Hargrave kind of recapturing that early season form. Uh, if those guys can kind of you know make him uncomfortable from the interior, that obviously would be a big help. But he gets the ball out so fast that I, sometimes I don't even know what you can do. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, they're going to have to figure out a way to get some pressure. But, you know, the Mike Evans-Rob Gronkowski matchups are not good. If you if you double one, you single the other, you try to double them both, then you got to single up everybody else all over the field. Uh, you, you can't cover both of those guys. I don't think this defense can cover both those guys, I should say. Uh, they, they, they got a predicament. They're going to have to, they're going to, have to score points. To win this game, they're not going to be able to shut down that Buccaneer offense. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles have not shut down or even really even like held a good quarterback this year in check. You know, we've we've yet to see that from this defense. The bad ones, they've taken care of them. You know, credit for, for where it's due there. Um, they haven't gotten, you know, beat up by any bad quarterbacks, which, you know, not every team can necessarily say that, especially consistently throughout the season. So, you know, I will give the Eagles credit for that. But again, I mean, it's insane to think that, including Tom Brady, you know, this team allowed 80% completion to five quarterbacks this season, which, you know, is nuts because, you know, they, the Eagles had done that six times combined in the 70 years before this season. Uh, so, yeah, still much to prove. Well, we talk about Jalen Hurts, you know, every week on here, of course. What grade would you give him for his first full season as Eagles starting quarterback? Uh, I'm going to say B plus. Um, I can't get into the A range because I think, you know, there's still questions as a passer. Uh, I don't think anyone, even some of the more optimistic people on Jalen Hurts are ready to say he's like the guy 100% forever moving forward and you're going to sign him to that big money contract extension. And to be clear, you know, the Eagles don't have to make that decision until after next season. Um, so, you know, we're not even there yet. But I do think uh, looking at the Eagles moving forward and all their different quarterback options. I think Jalen Hurts probably is going to end up being the best option available for them. I think they're going to explore other options. I think they should explore other options. They should, you know, do their due diligence on those things because, you know, you're, I don't think you should be in a rush to settle uh, at the most important position in the sport or maybe all of sports. So, but I, I do think he's obviously shown some, some encouraging signs. Um, there's a good stat out there from Zach Berman who uh, pointed out that Carson Wentz um, in his first NFL start, um, Jalen Hurts is younger than that in his first playoff start. So, you know, he's obviously a young guy and there is some upside here and some room for him to grow. But um, this is going to be a really big test for him. You know, in this game against the Bucks, it's not like, all right, you can't beat Tom Brady. Well, then, you know, he's, he's worthless. That's not the case. But we need to see him look pretty competitive. And we also need to see that if the Bucks are able to take away the run, okay, is Jalen Hurts a liability? Um, you know, does he stand out as the weakness? Can they still hang? Like, that's going to be a really big test this weekend. 
Well, and, and to that point, good, I was going to go there, actually. Uh, I, I like that point because I think Jalen Hurts is a bit of a wild card in this game. Um, if the Eagles can run the ball a little bit and Hurts can scramble and make plays like we've seen him make, I think it gives the Eagles a bit of a chance. Uh, he's not going to throw for 300 yards, 350 yards. I don't, they don't have the receivers for that to happen. Uh, but I think Jalen Hurts' legs could be the biggest weapon for the Eagles this week. Yeah, the Bucks have given up some yardage to running quarterbacks too, so that's definitely. Um, and then we we even saw Jalen Hurts um, get into the end zone last time these two teams played with his legs. So definitely think that's important. Again, him being healthier as well. You know, having this week off, he was full participation on Wednesday in the injury report, which is the first time in a while that he started out the week like that. He's been limited for basically I think since he suffered the ankle injury against the Giants. So um, having this time off, you would hope he's actually is healthier and that does make a difference not again only in terms of him being able to run the ball but also uh, the stress he puts on the defense and the defense having to respect that and maybe that helping the running game as well hey brandon do me a favor please tell me that neither jj ortega whiteside nor jalen rager will be on the eagles next year (laughs) (laughs) i can't see how i mean i think jalen rager is going to be on the team next year unfortunately just because i mean jj ortega whiteside is on the team this year so you know what i mean i think howie roseman uh, not exactly quick to give up on his draft picks there. I think JJ will be gone just because, you know, he's kind of had his chance. I think, and honestly, like, look, I'll give him some credit in terms of their guy. I think they're a draft bus who totally just flame out and they don't even embrace like being on special teams or whatever. Like they can't even do that much. At least he has done that and he's embraced being a blocking receiver. But obviously, you know, you take a guy in the second round and he kind of gives you the lack of production that JJ has and it's just not cutting it. So I think he's definitely a goner. Honestly, like you might not even need to bring him back for training camp. Like what are you going to learn, you know, in another camp with him? Uh, But I think they're going to give Rager one last shot, even though I think all signs are very much pointing, not in a very encouraging way for him. (laughs) Yep. Well, who who do you see in this wide receiver spot this week stepping up? I mean, Dallas Goddard's going to get going to get covered. Uh, Devontae Smith's going to get coverage. Somebody is it Greg Ward? Is it Rager? Who's it going to be? Because somebody's going to have to have a game for him. Yeah, I mean, I think the the Buccaneers can the Buccaneers can be had a little bit in the secondary, and uh, I think Devontae Smith, like the Eagles, have said throughout the season or Nick Sirianni said at one point, like we can't necessarily force feed our guys, our targets. And I'm, I didn't really agree with that at the time. And then they go out in week 18 and they're force feeding Devonte Smith to get him over the, you know, Deshaun Jackson's rookie franchise uh, record for receiving yards in a, in a season. And I'm like, well, why can't they just do this in a game that matters? Like you can force feed them. So I would like to see them get the ball to Devonte Smith a lot early and often. And yes, force it because he can make contested catches and, and just trust him. Honestly, he can get open. Uh, but I think having Dallas Goddard for this game obviously is a big deal in terms of they didn't have him last time. You know, he was out due to COVID and Zach Hurts was the main tight end. Um, and I think that's a different dynamic that the Bucks have to account for this time. So, you know, it's kind of the chalk answer. You know, those are your two top guys by far. You know, you mix Quez Watkins in where you can. Um, and it's, it's not great because you're, you're kind of limited there. But I, I do think you have to kind of just force feed Devontae and Goddard and just keep throwing them until the Bucks can stop it. Well, Brandon, Bill and I will make our official fearless forecast predictions later in the show. What is your best guess? What's going to happen on Sunday? 
I have really gone back and forth on this. I'm waffling. I'm being a fancy uh, fencerton, if you will. Um, I do. The one thing I do feel really good about is the Eagles covering. I think the line um, it opened at seven. If I'm not mistaken, it's like eight and a half right now. Yeah, the last time nine. I looked. Yeah, like I feel really good about the points in this game. I think the Eagles are going to make it a competitive game. Um, you know, there's some weather stuff at play here. It looks like it's going to be rainy. You know, maybe it's a, it's kind of a game that kind of gets like, you know, uh, you know, like muddied up and stuff and, and the Eagles can kind of like, uh, fight their way and have this be ugly. I I know the defense is a major concern against Tom Brady, but I think the offense is going to be able to run the ball and do some good things. And I just don't think this is going to be a cakewalk for the Bucs. I think the Eagles have shown good fight. Again, I know they haven't beaten a good team, but I just don't think they're going to get totally blown out. So I really like the points in this game. Again, you can ask me tomorrow. I I might pick the Eagles right now. I'm going to, I'm leaning towards the Bucs, but I, I keep going back and forth between this thing. Okay. All right. One final question for you. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? Or who's going to go to the Super Bowl? <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I'm going to give you an off-the-board – not off-the-board in terms of like – I mean, obviously there's only seven playoff teams in each conference. I think the Bengals have something really special going on. And I know Joe Burrow, you know, it's it's not often that these young quarterbacks go on these deep runs into the playoffs in their, in their first time here. But, I mean, he looks like the real deal – and like who was going to stop Jamar Chase? Like no one has been able to, or not a lot of people have been able to thus far. And obviously T Higgins is there as well. Um, so I really like what the Bengals kind of have going for them heading into the playoffs. I think they're going to be a dangerous team. And then from the NFC, um, it's tough. I mean, outside of the Packers, I, I there's a, I think you can poke holes in a lot of teams. Um, I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he's just playing on a, a different level right now. Um, so, so there you go. I, I picked one chalk pick for you in the Packers and a, a different pick for you in the, in the, uh, the Bengals there. Interesting. Right. Hey, uh, we know who the Eagles are going to have next year on their schedule. I think I have it here and I'll put it up. So some interesting games. They have both the Packers and Steelers coming to the link. Nine home games, so that's pretty cool. So what do you think, Brandon? 15 and 2, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Why not? why not? Yeah, why Why not, honestly? Um, yeah, it, it, there's some interesting matchups in there, too, as you mentioned. Um, potentially, Carson Wentz, you know, playing playing him, assuming he's yeah. still in Indy. Um, yeah, right. de- depending where Doug Peterson gets tired, maybe, you know, Doug, uh, you know, comes back to Philly or wherever, de- depending on, again, who hires him. So uh, definitely some juice for next year. Good stuff. Well, hey, Brandon, we're almost out of time already, but we always like to ask you to go ahead and let everybody know where they can follow all the stuff you have going on and Bleeding Green Nation has going on. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. Obviously, of course, guys, always appreciate it. Um, you can check out my work at bleedinggreennation.com. You can check out the Bleeding Green Nation podcast where we have a bunch of stuff going up ahead uh, of the playoff game and, and very much deep into the offseason and getting you ready for next year. Hopefully that we won't have to get too much into that in the near future. We'll see. Um, obviously, you can check out the SB Nation NFL show as well for all of the NFL playoff coverage, not just the Eagles, although we do talk about them there too. Uh, and then I'm on the Twitter at Brandon Gallon. Brandon, one more thing. One minute of your time. Three and out, I call sure. this. We do this occasionally. Um, which eagle was the biggest, most pleasant surprise this season? Oh, the most pleasant surprise. Um, I'm going to say Jordan Mailata, just in terms of I think a lot of people were optimistic about him, surely heading into the year. But for him to ultimately grade out, I think he did as like the third best offensive tackle, like pro football focuses grading and just like other metrics that they have in terms of like the amount of sacks and pressures given up. Like 
it's it's one thing for to get like a decent left tackle, and obviously he had shown promise last year. But for him to kind of show signs that he can be this elite guy at for a seventh round pick, and you, you were able to sign him to this contract extension before the season, so you got him at a pretty locked in already at a pre, pretty decent rate, as opposed to if you waited and you're play, paying him that elite money. That's a nice surprise to have. Number two, you mentioned Doug Peterson. Where do you think he will end up, and uh, what's the best fit for Doug? Yeah, that's a good question. I I was thinking about it. So, you know, so far to this point, we know of four different interviews between the Jaguars and the Bears and the Vikings and the Broncos. Uh, I don't think Jacksonville is the best spot for him because I just don't trust the ownership there. And and the fact that there's already a GM, you know, Trent Baalke in place, I I just don't love that setup. Um, You know, Trevor Lawrence seems like nice to work with in theory, but I I just don't love the the culture, the environment there. Um, So I kind of have to rule them out. Um, it's it's tough pick for me because I've never been a Kirk Cousins guy. Um, although I think the Vikings might be you know the most win now ready team um, for Doug to take over. You could say Justin Fields, but I'm not the big just, biggest Justin Fields guy either. Kind of questions about him. Uh, so so maybe it's in Chicago, maybe it's in Minnesota. Um, I just think Denver's tough because like, who, who are they going to have at quarterback? I don't know, uh, but I, I do hope he goes to the AFC because it would be a bummer to kind of have to you know root against Doug. Uh, and if he's going to stay in the NFC. I agree. Lastly, 10 seconds. Will Ben Simmons be traded before the February 10th deadline? I wish. He won't, though. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to hear that one. All right, Brandon. All right, Brandon. Thanks again, as always, for joining us. Uh, always great to talk to you, and let's do it again soon. Maybe we'll talk again before another playoff game. That'd be nice. <laughs> All right, guys. Take it All easy. All right. Thanks, man. Yeah. All right. Hey, Jed, if your couch is getting more mileage than your car, it's time to start saving with Allstate's pay-as-you-go auto insurance. Yes, sir, Bill. Allstate's pay-as-you-go auto insurance puts you in control. You only pay for the miles you drive with the same full coverage that a traditional policy offers. Pay-per-mile insurance gives customers greater control of their insurance costs. See how much you can save with pay-per-mile car insurance by calling your local agent in Westchester, PA. That would be Dave Lavoy. Call Dave at 610-430-0700. Once again, that number is 610-430-0700. You do that, you'll start to save more now that you are driving less. And, Bill, I got to hear Merle right now. I have to hear Merle. I just have to find Merle. And here he is. Hi, football fans. This is Merle Reese. And you're listening to Bill and Chet on Philly Press Box Radio. It's good! certainly has been good, uh, Chet. I, I think it would be safe to say we never expected we'd be talking Eagles here in uh, in January going to a playoff game. That is for sure. So for Merle, it's good. Yeah, I hope we get to hear Merle for a few more weeks. That's right. Well, hey, Chet, what do you make of what's going on in the NHL? Uh, there's been nearly 120 games canceled now, only six rescheduled so far. Uh, the season is a mess, especially for the Flyers. Flyers still in all kinds of protocol. Um, I'm afraid the season's gone for them. There's no recovery. Yeah, good possibility. All we can hope is that some of the latest predictions from the COVID experts, you know, are accurate that by the end of January or early February, a lot of this will be behind us that, you know, so many people have been infected that there'll be very few left to get infected. So that would be nice that the cases will slow significantly and the games can go on as scheduled. I mean, that's the hope of all of us, but 
you're right. The Flyers have been really hard hit by the COVID mess. Some other teams as well. Uh, they were really shorthanded in the loss last week to the Penguins. They managed to point in the overtime loss on Saturday. Um, of course, the Tuesday night game was scrapped because so many players were in COVID protocol. Um, Claude Giroux among them last week. And by the way, happy birthday, Claude. He's 34 years old today. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll talk about this at another time because it's too big of a conversation to have tonight. Uh, but, you know, the Flyers requested two games to be canceled and the league denied them uh, because the games were on national TV and then they approved them having a game off on a game that was not on national TV. That's garbage. Yeah, yeah that's uh, crappy. And you know what else we could could talk about, about if we had more time to do so was uh, Bob Clark throwing Ron Hextall under the bus with the whole Nolan Patrick drafting, saying nobody wanted him except Hexy. So that's interesting. I don't know how much of that is true as far as, you know, none of the other draft guys wanting him, but who knows? Well, yeah. Well, we uh, we keep kind of pushing off the flyers because there's been all this extra Eagles talk. We'll get back to that here uh, in the next week or so. We'll, we'll jump on a full, full hockey night when we have a hockey guest. Hey, one thing, uh, a lot of people who are friends of ours on Facebook know this guy, Freddie Burns. And he and his family are dealing with something very difficult right now. That's their young son, young Freddie. Uh, he's got some very serious issues and, you know, getting a lot of treatment, needing a lot of that. And they're going to need some help with this. So if you go to Freddie Burns' website or you and I have posted it, um, Philly Press Box Radio has posted, our pal Big Al Zafiri has reposted it. You can help contribute in, you know, various ways. There's financial ways. There's this meal train deal. And I'll tell you right now, you and I, Bill, through our Philly Press Box uh, radio venture, will also be making a con- contribution. And we're going to work all that out and post about it in the next few days. So uh, tough to deal with for Freddie and his wife. So uh, everybody, please consider if you can help, please do so. Absolutely. And, uh, I, you know, in my post, I said that I've known the Burns family for 55 years and, and I have, and, uh, it's crazy. I've known that family for five generations. Yeah. That I, I didn't realize that until after that post, mm-hmm. uh, I, I actually knew Fred's young baby Fred's great, great grandparents. Wow. I so, did not know that. I knew you knew Fred's dad but <laughs> and wow. his dad and wow. his grandfather. No, we wish them the very best with what they're dealing with right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, Chet, we're headed to the playoffs with our fearless predictions. Uh, what are the standings between Boop, Bob, that's Bob the Tron Junior, you and I as we finish the regular season and head to the playoffs? Well, though, I just may have to pat myself on the back yet again. <laughs> that's a time. surprise. <laughs> <laughs> After perfect picks on my part in weeks 16 and 17, I wasn't well, perfect in week 18, but. I was better than you, too. Thank you, Las Vegas Raiders, for that miracle finish Sunday night. Thank you, Georgia Bulldogs. I don't even follow the college game that closely, but I thought Georgia was due, and they did it for me. So I was 4-2 and over the weekend. You were 3-3. and And Boop, well, he had, to quote a former Flyers coach, a choking situation. He was two and four. So as we extend our picks into the NFL postseason, I am now 50 and 26 in first place. Two full games up on Boop and three up on you, Bill. So there. Plenty of time. Plenty of time. Let's go. We got six (laughs) games to pick this weekend. We're picking all the playoff games. So here we go. I'll run through them quick. We'll circle. We'll circle back, Jet. We'll circle back to get Boop's picks, yours picks. Circle back. There we go. 
<laughs> All right, three AFC, three NFC. Here we go. Saturday, Raiders at the Bengals. The Bengals are minus five and a half. Patriots at the Bills. The Bills are minus four. Sunday, the 49ers visit the Cowboys. The Cowboys are minus three. Steelers visit the Chiefs. The Chiefs minus 12 and a half. That's a lot of points. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll come back to the Eagles. Monday night, Cardinals visit the Rams. Rams minus four. And, of course, the Eagles visit Tampa Bay. Bucks are minus eight and a half. Chet, all the home teams are favored. Um, who does Boop like? Raiders at the Bengals. Bengals minus five and a half. Well, let's see. Boop says Vegas has been in playoff survival mode for a month, but it finally takes its toll. Boop takes the Bengals. Brandon said some uh, very positive things about Cincinnati, and yeah, I got to go with the Bengals as well. I do also think that they could do some, uh, you know, damage, make a little run here in the playoffs. So we both like Cincinnati. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to go Cincinnati as well. I think uh, Joe Burrow's playing really well. All right, Patriots at the Bills. Bills minus four. Boop says the road team has won the last three games in this series. Oh, and he is taking the Patriots to win this one. Wow. I disagree. I mean, yeah, you got Bill Belichick, but you got rookie Mac Jones at quarterback. I think Buffalo, they've been up and down this year, but I think they're getting it together again enough to at least win this first round matchup. I'm taking Buffalo. I am taking the Patriots. Whoa. Yes, sir. Uh, I don't know what the weather is going to look like this weekend, but it's looking Mm. like it may not be good up in Buffalo, but it wouldn't be good in New England either. So uh, we'll we'll go. I'm going to go Patriots there. 49ers visit the Cowboys. Cowboys minus three. I was a little surprised at at the spread on this one. A little low. Um, I don't know. I I think it's pretty good. Um, And you know what? I'm interested to see who we all pick on this one. Boop says, and again, I'm looking at this for the first time. Um... Posting a 51 on a team of second stringers is not good sports karma. He's referring to the Cowboys, of course, beating up on the Eagles backups. His pick is the 49ers. And you know what? That's my pick as well. I thought I might be the only one, but I'm taking San Fran to beat Dallas in Big D. Um, I hate to say it, but I'm going to take the Cowboys. And it has nothing to do with what happened against the Eagles. That, That was a meaningless game, but. Uh, I think I'm, I'm going to take the Cowboys in this game. Okay. All right. Steelers visit the Chiefs. The Chiefs are minus 12 and a half. It's an interesting game. Uh, Boop sums this one up in two words. Slam dunk. Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I got to go with Kansas City, too. I think they're going to win and cover. Well, I'm going to go with the Chiefs, but I'm not going to say it's a slam dunk. If I were a better, I'd take the 12 and a half. Really? Hmm. Yep. Okay. We'll see. All right, let's jump over to Monday night. Who who does a Monday night playoff game? Where'd this come from? Something new. Uh, TV, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Cardinals, Rams, Rams minus four. Uh, what do you like? Uh, let's see what Boop says. Arizona just defined limping into the playoffs. They lost four out of their last five. His pick is the Rams. Yeah, I'm taking the home team as well. They've been a little more consistent, so uh, the Rams. Yeah, I'm going Rams. I want to see if anybody can stop that Cooper Cup. What a season he had. Oh, man. For the record. Yeah. Yep. All right. That gets us to the Eagles and the Buccaneers. The Bucks are minus eight and a half. Who's boop like? Let's see. I didn't look. Let's see. Oh, sadly for the birds, he says the once six and three Bucks have refound their footing. They went seven and one over the last eight. The rushing game of the Eagles may not be enough. His pick is the Buccaneers. Like Brandon, I thought about this one long and hard. I think the Eagles can pull off the upset, but I think they're going to come up a little short. I do think there's going to be a lot of points scored. 
I'm taking Tampa Bay, unfortunately. 30 to 24 is my prediction, if you want to know. Well, I have thought about this thing up and down, too, and I keep trying to find a reason that I think the Eagles are going to win this, and it is running the ball. Um, but then we haven't covered a tight end since Billy Joe Dupree. <laughs> you know? And, and uh, there's a list of about 20 of them, and Rob Gronkowski is going to be another one. Uh, Gronkowski and Evans are just going to be too much. I just don't see the Eagles' defense being able to stop Tampa. And uh, I'm going to have to go Tampa, but like I say, I'm I'm looking for every reason to hope that the Eagles can, can pull this thing off. I just don't see it. Well, hopefully we will all be wrong on that one. Yeah, we are taking Tampa Bay, unfortunately. Now, Boop says this about a couple other things. Want to bet? Home double-digit favorites have never lost nor failed to cover the spread in a wild card game. How about that? Eight wow. and no. Oh. So he's getting down on both the Chiefs' money line and laying the 12.5 points. In case you don't know, Boop is a Chiefs fan in addition to liking the Eagles. So he likes the Chiefs to win big. He also says since 2001, the Eagles, who are a plus eight and a half or even nine in this one, are 10 and one against the spread as a playoff underdog. How about that? They are hmm. six and five straight up. So uh, he may uh, want to go with the Eagles to cover. Who knows? Interesting. All right. Well, hey, let everyone know where they can follow Boop and everything he's got going on while you're at it. Boop is a contributor to the website bettersinsider.com. There are all kinds of betting information, tips, and whatnot on there. And you can get even more from Boop himself, Bob of Schoen Jr. Uh, Boop is on Twitter, at BoopStats. That's at B-O-O-P Stats. All right. Good stuff. We'll see what happens next week. See if we can level this thing out just a little bit. All right. Okay. Okay. Sixers. They've now won seven in a row to move into fifth place in the Eastern Conference. Um just four games out of first place. Now your boy Joel is on fire. Um, I'll, once he gets a little more consistent, I'll let you know. <laughs> a little more consistent. <laughs> he's got, what, nine games now? Nine <laughs> in a row? He's been great. I, well, I know yeah. he has seven straight with over 30 points. Uh, I think it's even more in terms of road games with over 30 points. He's I'm just, just happy been, he shows up at many straight games. He's been showing up, and he's been dominant. Uh, he's been playing great. And you know what? His defense remains terrific. He's even getting better in other facets of the game in terms of ball handling. Occasionally, he brings the ball up court, and uh, he's getting better with that. And he's getting better at passing also. You know, in years past, a lot of times when he would get double teamed, he would turn and they would steal it from him. He's getting better at controlling the ball there and even becoming a better passer. He's he's doing it all for them right now. He is Mr. Clutch, and uh, yeah, he's doing great. The team, as you mentioned, has won seven in a row. They are now 23-16. and 16. They are just four and a half games out of first place in the NFC, the NBA Eastern Conference. They're a mere two games out of second. So I told you last week they had some relatively easy games coming up to the schedule and they won them all seven straight now and uh, hopefully they can continue they're going to play some tougher teams in the weeks ahead of course absolutely well hey, what do you think about the rumor floating around that the sixers are trying to package tobias harris and a deal with that other clown uh that would be a blockbuster if they put those two together it would and you know i'm just tired of the rumors i mean now you got tobias mentioned in there i don't know how much of that is true but I think Ben has been linked to, you know, being a possible trade partner for about 17 teams since uh, the summer. 
I just don't even care anymore. I just want something to happen, and I want it to happen before February 10th. I don't want this to linger into the offseason because if it goes past February 10th, it's not going to happen until the summer, and I don't want that. I don't want this around. We know that there was a meeting today uh, with Clutch Sports, Rich Paul, and the Sixers. Basically, he's trying to convince them to, I guess, take less. They said he's not going to play for the Sixers. Uh, Rich Paul said that. The Sixers, I think, would really welcome him back under the right circumstances, but I don't know what those circumstances would be, but they really want to trade him, but they're not going to settle for, you know, 10 cents on the dollar. They're just not going to do it. Well, and you can't blame them, but, you know, time's, time's ticking. Still, still a month to that deadline, but... Uh, Time's ticking, and I guess it's going to depend. A lot's going to depend on how healthy they stay and how close they get, say, in the next two to well, two to three weeks, if they are forced to make a deadline deal or they think they can win with what they have. Yep. I think it's four weeks from tomorrow, the trade deadline, February 10th. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, let's give a shout out over to all the shows that, the, that are live on the Edge of Philly Sports Network this week. Jet, look at this list. The network continues to grow like crazy. Uh, everything is being streamed live across Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Stitch. You can catch out all the sh- action on www.eopsports.com. Hit all those like, follow, and all them buttons. Tell your family and friends about it. Broad Street Bully Podcast available Mondays. We're talking all things Flyers. The Monday Mailbag Podcast with Jerry Joey Sheeran is available on Mondays also. Uh, Talking Philly Sports Podcast with Matty B with host Matt Bednarczyk. It's Tuesdays. He did his first live show last night. It was excellent. Edge of Philly Sports Live. Join Joey, Freddie, and Big Al as they cover four for four and so much more Philly sports. They're live tonight, uh, Wednesdays at 9.30 p.m. Birds IQ, Kyle and Eric Quinn, Thursday nights at 7 p.m. They're talking Eagles. Friday, Philly Philly, the podcast featuring Joe Castro. And then Saturday, the, fat, the Patterson Avenue Fanatics uh, start at 9 a.m. Saturday morning, so you got breakfast with all the guys and talk Philly sports. And, Chet, there's a live event uh, coming up here this weekend for the playoff game. Yeah, there is. Um, it's going to be this Sunday, and I have a little promo that I can show right now. Yes, playoff pre- and post-game. They will be at the South House, 2535 South 13th Street in Philly. Uh, I've been there. Maybe you have too. And uh, yeah, I thought so. And nice little bar. Definitely an Eagles crowd will be there. And our guys will be there before the game and then doing a little post-game thing after. And uh, hey, enjoy a few beers. Hang out with the guys. And it's going to be fun. Uh, I'm not sure if I can make it down there or not, but I'm going to certainly put it on my hope to be there calendar it's sunday right before the eagles game starting right at 12 noon so get, go hang out with the guys from edge of philly all right hey uh, and don't forget also if you want to stay up on everything that's going on at edge of philly sports go to the website uh, sign up for the newsletter and you'll get it in your mailbox every friday usually by 10 o'clock in the morning so check that out uh chet philly sports tours we talked to them a couple weeks ago any idea what they've got planned for Tampa? Yeah, Vince and the guys are taking it down to Tampa. And let's see if I can find their little uh, promo. Yeah, here it is. Birds playoff trip to Tampa this weekend. I think they have all sorts of packages. So the best thing to do is to go to their website, Philly Sports Trips. 
com. You can, you know, fly down. There's a package for that. You can just go down there for the, the tailgate the day before. You can go down there for, uh, be there for the tailgate in the morning on Sunday. They're also doing something with 97.5, the Fanatic. Those guys will be down there on Friday. Uh, there's also going to be a Saturday playoff pep rally at Tampa Joe's. And we know those guys, Bill. So that'll be Saturday. And uh, I think it's really cheap for that, too. Tampa Joe's doing something for, you know, just like five or 10 bucks. So that's going to be awesome. So there's all sorts of things going on down in Tampa. The Eagles are going to take things over in Tampa Bay. And you can get all the information on the Philly sports trips uh, stuff by going to that website, phillysportstrips.com. Yeah. All right. uh, Yeah. And if you, uh, if you're in Tampa area and Trader Joe's is called Mike Klein, uh, runs Philly of the South down there in Tampa. Mike's been a guest with us. I've, I've been around Mike a bit. They do a great job over there. Uh, go check them out. And uh, it's there will be hundreds, hundreds of Eagles fans there. Absolutely. And you know what, Bill? I think it's time that we do a little random chat right now. My age bracket, yes, I'm a baby boomer, would tell you that the very best decade for music, especially rock music, was the 1970s. Count me among the people who feel that way. About a third of the albums, in fact, on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums list were released in the 70s. And you know what? Looking back on it 50 years later, 1972 may be among the very best and most important years for music, especially rock. I mean, first of all, check out the list of artists who released their debut albums that year. Blue Oyster Cult, Foghat, Roxy Music, Steely Dan, Styx, The Scorpions, The Raspberries, and oh yeah, Linda Ronstadt, Jackson Brown, and The Eagles all put out their first albums in 72. Also, we got first ever solo albums from Paul Simon, Michael Jackson, and The Who's Pete Townsend. After leaving the Velvet Underground, Lou Reed released his first two solo albums, the second being Transformer featuring Walk on the Wild Side. 1972 also gave us Todd Rundgren Something Anything, which included both Hello, It's Me and I Saw the Light. We got new albums from, listen to this list, Black Sabbath, Creedence Clearwater Revival, Jefferson Airplane, Argent, Hold Your Head Up, Little Feet, Cat Stevens, Genesis, Emerson, Lake and Palmer, Loggins and Messina, James Taylor, Joni Mitchell, Seals and Crofts, Humble Pie, Van Morrison, T-Rex and Frank Zappa. Also, these two albums, Uriah Heep's Demons and Wizards and the Edgar Winter Group. They only come out at night. Frankenstein on there. Um, Chicago Five was released in 72. Saturday in the Park, the monster hit on that one. It was one of the year's top selling albums. Jethro Tull gave us Thick as a Brick. Rod Stewart put out Never a Dull Moment featuring You Wear It Well. Mott the Hoople's All the Young Dudes came out that year. And Pink Floyd released Obscured by Clouds. Their epic Dark Side of the Moon came out the following year. Oh, the Doobie Brothers' Tulu Street was out in 72. That one had the hits Listen to the Music and Jesus is Just All Right. Stevie Wonder put out two albums in 1972, including Talking Book, which gave us the classics Superstition and You Are the Sunshine of My Life. Also, there were well-received albums from these soul and R&B artists, Al Green, Aretha Franklin, Curtis Mayfield, The Staple Singers, The Temptations, and Bill Withers. Some other legendary albums to come out that year were Alice Cooper's 
School's Out. Boy, did I play that one a lot in the early 70s. The Moody Blues, Seven Sojourn, which had the hits Isn't Life Strange, and I'm Just a Singer in a Rock and Roll Band. Wars, The World is a Ghetto. The double live album Hot August Night from Neil Diamond. And Elton John released Honky Chateau. The hits Rocket Man and Honky Cat were on there. But I also love Mona Lisa and Mad Hatters. Now, here's the thing. I just mentioned about 50 albums from 1972, and I haven't even given you my favorite 10, only two of which were mentioned previously. So without further ado, my favorite 10 albums from 1972. Number 10 would be No Secrets by Carly Simon. Not just a great album cover that uh, all teenage boys were very fond of back in the early 1970s, but an album with some great music on there, too, including the massive hit, You're So Vain, and no, that song was not written about me. Number nine would probably be a lot higher on a lot of people's lists, and you would think it might be higher on mine because I am a Rolling Stones fan. I'm referring to the double album, Exile on Main Street. Great, great album, but not actually one of my favorite Stones albums, believe it or not. Number eight and number seven are two that I did briefly allude to previously. Steely Dan's classic debut album, Can't Buy a Thrill, which gave us their early hits, Reeling in the Years and Do It Again. And the debut album by the Eagles called simply Eagles, featuring the hits Take It Easy, Witchy Woman, and Peaceful Easy Feeling. Boy, I wore this one out in 1972. Close to the Edge by Yes. The highlights on here being... Well, the title song that was about 18 minutes long and the song And You and I, which clocked in at a mere 10 and a quarter minutes. That was number six. Number five would be the Allman Brothers, Eat a Peach, the last one of theirs that included Dwayne Allman, who was tragically killed in a motorcycle crash the previous fall. Notable songs on there included Blue Sky, Melissa, and the live version of One Way Out. Wow. My number four album, and this one may shock you, it is a Jim Croce album, You Don't Mess Around With Jim, featuring not only that amazing title song, but also the great ballads, photographs, and memories, Time in a Bottle, and Operator, That's Not the Way It Feels, one of my all-time favorite songs, and I mean that. Number three, very different from Jim Croce, that would be Deep Purple's Machine Head, Smoke on the Water, the big hit on there, but also Space Truckin' and Highway Star. Love that song. At number two, Neil Young's classic, Harvest. I'll tell you, 50 years later, I still love Heart of Gold, The Needle and the Damage Done, and Old Man. But my absolute favorite album from 72, that would be, well, this one. Frankly, one of my favorite albums of all time still today. It's from this legend who would have turned 75 on January 8th. It's Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars by the great David Bowie. So, so good. There you have it. 50 years later, a slew of great music that still evokes a lot of wonderful memories and brings us all lots of great listening pleasure. There good you go. Stuff. Good stuff. A lot of, lot of great music right there. That's for darn. Yeah, you know, whenever, whenever I think of my favorite albums, this is always one that comes to mind, David Bowie's Ziggy Stardust. I, yeah. I played that a lot. I played it today while I was at work. Still love it. Still love it. Yeah. You know, uh, 50 years ago, bud. Wow. <laughs> Yo, how did that happen? 50 years. Bill, you probably want this shirt by the way that I was wearing the uh the turntable shirt. I, I know you're a fan. Oh you know, yeah, I, I still have I still have one of them. <laughs> Not sure shirts, I still turntable. Turntable. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. And an and an eight-track player. Oh, I never had an eight-track player. Never had one. Well, we're we're sorry for your luck. Nothing like it clicking. <laughs> nothing like it clicking in the middle of the song. 
Yeah, I know. I know. All right. Well, let's move on. Good stuff. Hey, great guest tonight in Brandon Lee Galton. Who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? We're going maybe we'll talk an Eagles win. Boy, I hope so. That would be great. Uh next week, Bill, we have this guy coming to us. He just put out a brand new book, which we talked to him about previously. Uh, his book about Kobe Bryant, The Rise. It was officially published yesterday. I was hoping to get him tonight, but he's a little busy. He's on the book tour, I guess. So we will have Mike Sealski from the Inquirer next week to talk about the Kobe book and hopefully an Eagles win and what the Eagles, you know, need to do in the offseason and maybe a little Sixers and gosh, we don't know what else. But Mike Sealski, always great. He's been on with us about a dozen times in the past, and we look forward to having him on next week. So yeah, Mike that, Sealski. That'd be good. Good stuff. And uh, sounds like that book's running out pretty good for him. I'm excited to to get a chance to read that. By the way, Chad, I'm reading my uh, Ray Dittinger uh, Christmas present book that yeah. I got. Um, kind of got going with that. It's uh, it's off to a good start. Going to be good. Yeah, it's a good book, isn't it? All right. Uh, let's see. What do we have? Uh, Raz rule. Let's take it. Let's Raz. Let's, let's Raz. Let's take it. Thank you to our friends over at the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on our Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. They have small line rises, mystery boxes. You have greater chances of winning. And who doesn't like to win, Chet? Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC118 Raz Room. That's right. It's PPCC118. 118 Raz Room on Facebook. Hey, Chet, the uh, NFL regular season went down to the last seconds of overtime in a bizarre finish. Uh, the college football championship we talked about for just a minute, it went deep into the fourth quarter before Georgia took over to get the win. A great ending for the college football season and a great ending for the NFL and the regular season unless – you're a Chargers fan. <laughs> yeah, that, that was some game. I mean, I, I didn't have a real vested interest in it, although it helped me in our little pick'em league because I did pick the Raiders to win that one. And uh, I run a pick'em league, and so a lot of people, you know, went either with the Raiders or the Chargers, and it ultimately defined or decided how the season ended up there. Um, it was exciting, and the Chargers calling that timeout, you know, in the final half minute – made the Raiders say, you know what? Yeah, maybe we won't just settle for the tie. Maybe we'll go ahead and run another play and kick a field goal. They did. They won the game. So I'm sure the Chargers fans are not real happy right now. No, no, I'm sure they're not. And, and you know, the, the the thing about that game, Chet, the the uh, the fourth quarter and the overtime, what Justin Herbert did in that in that period of time was one of the greatest quarterback performances I believe I've ever seen. Um Six fourth down completion, six yep. of six on fourth down, <clears throat> making some incredible throws, some great catches. Probably the easiest one uh, was the touchdown, and he still had to just pinpoint that thing on a bullet. Um, disappointed for Herbert because I think uh, I think we we got to see something special, and that that effort's going to go down, uh, you know, as just another thing. And it was it was really something special. With that said, congratulations to Ben Roethlisberger. He's going back to the playoffs when he already had his clothes in the laundry. Yeah, that was quite a finish as well, also in overtime. Um, I can't say that I'm a huge Ben Roethlisberger fan, but I was – 
kind of happy to see him, you know, get that one last victory and then, you know, ultimately have to sweat it out late Sunday night and uh, finally realize that he was going back to the playoffs. I don't think they're going to beat the Chiefs, but hey, uh, good luck, Ben. You get one more game and then you can sail off into retirement. So, uh, well, I think, I think when you have opportunities to see guys like Brady and, and Rogers and Roethlisberger, uh, the, you know, those guys, they're Hall of Fame quarterbacks. And when one leaves, I mean, there's others coming behind them. But, uh, you know, these guys have been playing a long time, been good for a long time, and uh, they've been fun to watch. And, you know, hey, watch them one more time. Yeah, absolutely. So we're on to the playoffs now. And as we said earlier, congratulations to Georgia. And oh, before I forget, Bill, I wanted to wish a very happy birthday to one of our devoted fans. That would be Dancing Jane, Mama Fish. Uh, she's funny. She's She likes to poke fun at herself. She posts pictures every day of things she sees on her walks. And she occasionally puts up jokes like today. She put one up uh, poking fun at blondes like she is. A policeman sees a blonde driving and knitting at the same time. Aggravated, he pulls up beside her, rolls down his window and yells, pull over. The blonde yells back, no, silly, it's a scarf. Because she was knitting. Anyway, happy birthday, Jane. Happy many, birthday, many more. Jane. <laughs> Good stuff. Hey, uh, you, you mentioned not being a huge college football fan. How'd you like that Alabama-Georgia game? I know you watched it. I did. I did watch it. It was fun to watch. Uh, it took a little while to get the offenses going on both sides. Georgia ultimately did get it going, and I was happy for Kirby Smart. I mean, Nick Saban's won enough titles already. You know, I'm sure he'll win more. He's going to be there. So I was rooting for Georgia just because, you know, I thought it was their time, and uh, I was happy to see it. How about you? Even though well, you picked Alabama. Uh, yeah, how about how about the, some defensive football players on both of those teams that uh, – but sure look good in Eagles green. I don't know that it, many of them are going to be around come pick 16 and 18, but man, is there some guys that can play on both sides of the football or both, both of those teams on the defensive side of football. Yeah, there will definitely be some of those guys in the NFL in the next year or two. And uh, you know, maybe the Eagles will get one of them, hopefully. We we know they could use some help still on defense. Linebacker always in the secondary. So, yeah, that would be great. How about that play um, with, the, what was it, the punt? And wait, what happened? Where Was it a punt or a fumble? Oh, no, it was the, the pass that was either a fumble or incompletion, and the guy just casually picked it up as he was running out of bounds, just got the foot in by a half inch, didn't even think that, you know, he was making a play, and uh, it was ultimately a huge play. Yeah, it was, and, uh, you know, uh, I, I it, to me it was an incomplete pass. They called the one earlier in the game an incomplete pass that was far less of a pass than that one, and then they ruled that one uh, – at the at the very second you that Alabama slant thing came on, you know you're like, oh man, this this is just going to go their way. Georgia took that as energy and bounced back, and uh, it did a great job and and won the game. Yeah, yeah, it was a fun game, and again, congrats to Georgia. Absolutely. All right. Anything else before we shut it down? I don't have an official parting shot tonight, but I didn't mention this last week, so I'll mention it tonight. Our buddy. Sam Carcitti is retiring, and, you know, Sam has been on with us several times. He is taking the buyout from the Inquirer, but he is going to take another job now writing for a hockey website. So we wish Sam all the best. I mean, he, he put out, out a great, great, great farewell column 
last weekend, and it was just terrific to read. Brought back a lot of memories, and you know he thanked all the right people, and we love Sam. Sam is a great dude. Glad we got to meet him a few years ago and have him on our show a few times. So all the best to you, Sam Carcini. Yeah, and the Collegeville Bakery sign, uh, you know, that's a that's a legendary sign these days. Uh, is yeah. is Mike Sielski today? Yeah, the sign. So, uh, and, and Mike was thrilled to see that. Uh, I saw his comments on that as well. Next year, you and me, Bill, we're on the sign. There you go. There you go. All right, maybe when we hit our 500th show, we're getting, Ooh, getting there you up go. there. How about there that? There you go. Let's do it. All right. Well, let's wrap this thing up. Let's thank tonight's special guest, Brandon Lee Gowton, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. For Jim Chesko, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, January 19th at 7 p.m. You can see us live on Facebook or listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, or listen through Blog Talk Radio at blogtalkradio.com slash Radio on all the Google podcasts as well as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and all the others. With that, high hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and... Go Birds! Let's do the song!